Welcome to the Racisms Podcast. We're your hosts, Jazlyn and Lisa. We decided that this world could use more cross-cultural conversations that seek healing over division, understanding over ignorance, and a better world overall. Welcome back to the Racisms Podcast, where we have cross-cultural conversations to make this world a better place. I'm Jaslyn, co-host of the podcast with Lisa. Hey, everybody. And today I wanted to talk about being a cultural ambassador or cultural representative. You know, when when is it expected and when is it too much to ask? And I was thinking about our discussion in a previous episode where Lisa felt like she was assimilating into the dominant male white culture. And I prefer to keep office life professional and not really, quote unquote, be my whole self. Uh, But what about those that feel that they have a responsibility or they actually want to be that cultural ambassador? And by that, I mean someone who wants to be the representative of their country or of their background um, and bring their culture or traditions to share with others. Shalisa and I be doing that at work where we are often the only of whatever demographic we're talking about, black, Asian, woman, immigrant, quote unquote, American, you know, whatever demographic we're the only one of in a group. Um, should we be educating the dominant culture? Should we be goodwill ambassadors and hope that we could cross some cultural divide or be that good representative of our group? Um, Should we be active in the workplace as advocates for diverse representation like we individually have chosen to be? These are thoughts running through my mind just late one night um, and I thought it would be a good topic to talk about. So Lisa, what are your thoughts? Well, Jaslyn, it's a very big topic. I think there's a lot of like facets and angles we could take with this. So I'm really interested in hearing more about being the cultural ambassador or representative from, you know, our personal perspectives, but also maybe from like the majority perspective. I mean, not that we could have that perspective, but almost like, should they also be a cultural ambassador or, you know, is, is them being the majority culture? Like that's, that's kind of all that's needed is that they're already part of it. So I'm really interested in this, this upcoming discussion and uh, you know, all the topics that you want to hit on. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think, I think in some cases I would feel more comfortable doing it and in other cases I feel like I should not have to do it like at work Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the cases that I was thinking about is us as U.S. Americans as my uh, boss used to say uh, traveling outside to other countries do we bring our American experience over there like do people over there expect us to teach them about American culture or confirm what they think about it. And we both have experience traveling in other countries. Um, Lisa, you said you've worked in Taiwan for a while. Mm. And while I haven't, quote unquote, lived in another country, I was, I do travel and um, 
I was in New Zealand for a month. Mm. So I had a chance to get to know some people down there. Um, so Lisa, what was your experience traveling as an American to Taiwan? And how did you navigate that? Yeah, I think that they, the, the company that I joined, a lot of them had preconceptions of what I was going to be like. Uh, they specifically said, um, we thought you'd be like super tan, uh, be wearing lots of makeup. And I think that was the two big ones. Um, and you know, I show up and I'm not super tan. And at the time I wasn't wearing any makeup. Um, so those were two of the, um, most obvious ones to them is in terms of like how different their preconception was versus like reality. Um, I don't think I necessarily like flaunted or like you know um put on display my um united states american culture but i i could definitely understand how it was still kind of on display because it's so different in terms of um like maybe a little more outspokenness um my sarcasm i tried to like use sarcasm in in Mandarin, which is the language I spoke there. Um, and they didn't get it at all. It was just it like totally flew over their heads. So like at that point I was like, Oh, okay. So the humor here is definitely different. Uh, but you know, I hope that, you know, they gained an appreciation that America, that United States isn't just what they kind of see on TV and movies. And, you know, I certainly gained a greater appreciation of, um, their culture, which is, you know, very, um, family oriented. They treat coworkers like family. It was just a very close knit um, kind of working environment. So that's my initial uh, thoughts of living there and contrasting like what they thought I was going to be versus what I actually am. Uh, so why don't you tell us uh, more about your New Zealand experience and kind of why were you there? Why were you there for a month and like how did you meet the people that you did while there? I was in New Zealand. Um, during grad school, there was a, an earthquake in 2011, pretty big one. Um, so I got to go over there as a reconnaissance trip mm -hmm. for my research. Um, and they let us go over there for a month. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice. Uh, it was great. <laughs> I, I always say earthquakes happen in the most beautiful parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And this was no no different. New Zealand is probably the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful countries I visited, um, even though there was massive devastation. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I got to meet like other researchers there, grad students who worked in New Zealand, um, professors. And I don't, I don't, I don't remember feeling any particular um, pressure to you know, introduce American culture to New Zealand. I feel the opposite, like New Zealand culture kind of influenced me, but mm. there was one one experience I remember. I was there with another grad student from from my school, from the U.S., and uh, <laughs> we told our new friends, like, we're going we're gonna to cook for you. Mm. We're going to make you a... a <laughs> An American meal, because <laughs> we've been eating New Zealand food, which is not that different. But mm. um, we were like, we're going to make you mac and cheese and chicken, barbecue chicken. It's going to be great. 
And uh, we, when we were shopping for the ingredients, we could not find mm. like the the cheese and the spices mm-hmm. that we needed to make this mac and cheese like taste like a home. So it was. I don't know if they liked the meal. <laughs> <laughs> mac and cheese was not the best. <laughs> um, mac and cheese that I've made. So you know, we tried mm-hmm. like an exchange because we we felt like they were very kind to us and accommodating and showing us around New Zealand. So we wanted to reciprocate with a little bit of American culture. So Lisa in Taiwan, was there any uh, expectation or people wanted you to kind of introduce you to American culture in any way? Well, I I remember uh, one particularly, um, one particular instance. So as soon as I got there, like all these like people were like, oh, you know, we should get together. You know, I can like practice my English with you. And I said, yeah, that that sounds um, that sounds great. Uh, but no one really like actually like planned. You know, we actually never got together and did English lessons with anyone. Uh, but my company that I worked for, they liked to do Saturday morning training um, which is very different than um, United States, where on the weekends we don't typically have company-wide events. Um, so they did training once a month on Saturdays, um, and they wanted me to teach English uh, at one of their sessions. So you know, teaching the English part isn't re- is not the hard part. The hard part was me speaking Mandarin while teaching English, and like I wasn't super confident in my Mandarin, so that was like nerve wracking. Um, but I taught them things like, um, so in English that the little pointer device that you use to point to things on your computer is called a mouse. Um, and so in Chinese, in Taiwan, they translated it to little mouse. And so when they, so when we were talking about computer things and they would say little mouse, I was like, what are they talking about? Why do they keep referencing this animal? Mm-hmm. And then I finally realized, oh, they're talking about the little device that we actually call the animal. Uh, and so it was a lot of that um, for me, like discovering, you know, how English language is translated um, into Mandarin phrases there. Um, I did get to teach them English, um, but there wasn't. I, like, I, I agree with you. There was more of their exchange, their cultural exchange to me rather than my cultural exchange to them, um, which is, you know, I guess a little selfish because I gained a lot. I'm not sure. I hope they gained something, but I'm not sure if they did. But no, I didn't I didn't cook for anybody. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think you're the fact that you your mother is from Taiwan um, you have that background, the Chinese background helped. Hmm. You think your experience would have been different if you were U.S. American, but of a different background? Yeah, I think it might have uh, because. OK, so because I look Chinese, um, they didn't feel like they had to speak English with me. Um, so I think it was harder I think to be a a U.S. American cultural ambassador because on the outside I looked like them and so they just naturally spoke Mandarin to me um they would rather not speak English because it's not something that they you know are comfortable with so I think if I was you know a Caucasian person then obviously they would have to 
kind of like reach a, reach across, you know, reach in the middle. But because I look like them, it was easier for them to kind of accept me, which is also really good, nice for me because I was talking earlier this season how, you know, I don't want to really stand out. I kind of like to blend in and be part of um, the group. And so for me, I kind of enjoyed that they accepted me for because on the outside, I, I looked like them. Um, how about you? Uh, are, are there a lot of, um, are there a lot of African Americans who live in New Zealand, uh, or did you feel like you stuck out? I did not see, or I do not recall seeing <laughs> any black people. Mm. Maybe, maybe a couple, like they have malls. So when I went to the mall, I might've seen a couple there. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not a lot, but I didn't feel particularly, you know, uncomfortable or standing out mm -hmm. over there. Everybody's really nice. <laughs> it's a very chill society. Um, yeah, so I didn't, I didn't feel any discomfort in that area. Mm -hmm. In New Zealand, they speak English, so there wasn't a language mm. issue there, although you know, the, the New Zealand, the Kiwi accent, I think, you know, it, sometimes when I travel, I, I take on some of the mannerisms. So, you know, they, they had these phrases. And for a long time after I came back from New Zealand, I would say, yeah, after every sentence, mm. you want to go to lunch? Yeah. You want to <laughs> do something? Yeah. I was like, I got to stop doing this. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, I didn't feel any, I didn't feel any awkwardness mm. in New Zealand. And did they have any like preconceptions of like, kind of like how you guys would come in and act or were they pretty neutral? No, I think because, you know, we were grad students, they just expected us to come and do the work and <laughs> that's it. Mm. Yeah. If they did, I, I don't know <laughs> if they had any other. I hope we did a good job. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it. Now, another aspect of this is I was thinking about all the grad students that go to grad school in the U.S., but they're from other countries. You know, what it must be like for them to come to a completely new culture, society, mm -hmm. um, for the period of grad student, grad life, or, you know, they might be coming to, you know, establish themselves in the U.S. Like, a lot of people that I met, you know, would bring their cultures with them. They would share them with their friends that they made here. Mm -hmm. um, do you ever think about that? Like, did you make any friends in grad school from foreign countries? And how was there an exchange of cultures on both sides? Or was it more them bringing their culture? What do you remember from that time? Yeah, I remember in my research group, there was mostly uh, students from China. Uh, and I don't really feel like I got to know them very well. You know, one 
uh, we were, I guess we were at different stages of life. Um, a lot of them have families already and I was still unfamilied in, in, uh, in that time. So I think there was always like, you know, there wasn't like that college undergraduate years kind of like hangout experience. I didn't get that kind of experience in grad school. Um, but I do remember coming back from Taiwan and I remember how kind of out of place I felt when I first got there. And I was really thankful for, you know, the coworkers who like, you know, kind of took a leap of faith and like reached out to me and like, you know, made me feel like not so much of an outsider. So I, when I came back to the States, I wanted to, to do that for other people. Um, I remember trying to do that at my church mostly, not through my grad school because my grad school circle was smaller. And like I said, we just didn't hang out. But at church and, you know, on weekends, sometimes we would hang out um, with we would just have more opportunity to hang out. So I tried to do that through my church when, you know, grad students would come visit the church. Um, but it, I'm not sure if like it fizzled out because, you know, I got busy with life or, you know, like I tried, but maybe failed to reach out. I don't know if they didn't really want the help or they didn't expect the help or it was like, why would this American want to help me? So like they, they didn't really let me in. I still feel like, mm. and, and that could just be me and I could, I need to try harder or it's just that, you know, they would rather hang out with other people from China who are here rather than, mm. you know, try to get to know someone in this other culture that maybe is not, it's not, it's not one of the reasons why they came. Um, so it, it, I think it depends on the person. I definitely had interactions with people who, you know, wanted to know more about American culture and spend more time kind of, you know, in English speaking circles. But I definitely also met people who wanted to stay more in their, um, you know, their circles where they spoke their mother tongue um, and had a lot in common already. Whereas, you know, it might be too hard or, or too much, you know, too challenging to kind of form this kind of whole new relationship. So I think it goes both ways, you know. Um, how about you? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely noticed that some cultural groups or some people from the same country definitely hung out a lot together. Maybe it's the language thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this one time I had, I think she was my roommate. She was from France. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, one day she has a whole, a, you know, a big group of friends from France and they were going somewhere and they invited me to go. Mm-hmm. But the whole time they were speaking in French mm-hmm. the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the worst. It was the worst Aww. time I think I've had. Like, I'm just not here, people. Like, mm-hmm. why did you invite me? You're just going to speak in French the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think there is a kind of, you know, familiarity. Mm-hmm. You want to stick with what's familiar, but specifically in grad school where you maybe have your grad group, like everybody has the same advisor. So those are your kind of first group of quote unquote friends or first group of people that you meet. And for me, I don't know about your experience, but we would hang out a lot in the beginning, Mm. especially all of us that came at the same time. Um, So it was like a, you know, a mix of people. It was me, I was black, there was a white guy, there was a guy from India, a guy from Iran, you know, 
a lady from South Korea. So it's like, you know, it's kind of a mash of cultures. And I remember one year, the Indian guy had us over for, I don't want to say the wrong holiday. I think it was Diwali. Hmm. And he was, you know, explaining what it was and he had food. It was, it was nice and something he, you know, he wanted to do. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's based on your personality and, and, uh, what you're comfortable with, but I think it's nice when people share their cultures. Oh yeah. With others who aren't familiar. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, when, so in, at our work, um, when we do brown bags and we have people speaking at the brown bags, it's, it's a lot of them are the, the grad students or the postdocs. And like, we love, you know, starting every presentation with just a few slides of where they're from and telling, telling us a little bit about, you know, their culture. So like I said, it really kind of depends on the person. Um, I got to know one um, postdoc really well um, at my workplace. You know, at first we didn't really talk very much, but then we found something in common, which was running. And then we like branched out into talking about, you know, what it's like uh, growing up in the States, you know, Chinese. What's it like now when, you know, that person is um, still, you know, fairly new to the country? You know, we talk about like, you know, women's rights and like civil rights. So I think the key maybe is to kind of like find that common ground for me. And then it kind of branches off into like a, a deeper relationship. But if we never find that common ground, then it's like super difficult um, for me to kind of break. I think that there's just going to be a barrier. Mm -hmm. So what about if someone visits from another country? Maybe they don't, they're not coming to live, but they're just coming for a visit and you want to show them around. Mm. What would what kind of things would you show them? What would you introduce to them if they wanted to get a flavor of the U.S.? Mm. Well, I did this once. Um, I had a cousin. So when I visited, when I was living in Taiwan, I met this cousin, actually, like, I think she was like a cousin-in-law. Um, and we got really close and she like showed me around her city. Um, so when she came here to the United States, it was, it was like her first time flying that far her first time to the states um you know, i hope she enjoyed it we went to uh historical sites so like in philadelphia we got to see i basically was like a tourist in my own town i got to see like the independence hall the liberty bell um we went then we drove down to dc and and saw all the sites down here so when i think of hosting someone for just a short amount of time in the states i think about visiting um, these these cities with a lot of you know museums and history. So Philadelphia, DC, um, definitely introduced her to a lot of different kinds of foods. Uh, but I, uh, but that's not really like the culture. You know, that's just kind of what you do as a tourist. I don't really feel like I had the time to, you know, dive into culture because I guess like maybe someone said earlier, maybe it's you or. Um, Kyle earlier in an episode is, you know, there's the, the U.S. culture is a little bit vague. Like there's not, a, I, if you know what I mean, like and I can point to like traditions in Chinese culture and holidays that are like, you know, really, really ours. And there's just a few of those in the United States. And I don't you know, agree with all of them. Um, So in terms of like culture, like I don't think I 
did a good job. What, how about you? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, exp- how about your experience being like the, uh, the tour guide or the, the host? Um, like I said, with grad students or even not grad students, but visiting researchers at school, I would try to invite them to whatever I was doing, mm-hmm. um, invite them out to different events in Atlanta. I went to grad school in Atlanta. Um, and just try to make them feel comfortable. Mm. You know, if they had questions, answer questions. Mm-hmm. But I do remember one time I, I went to Portugal for a conference and I met a, a, another student there from Portugal and he was nice enough to take us, you know, a day in, you know, in Portugal. He took us to the beach. He took us to a historical site and he took us to get a traditional Portuguese dessert. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. Thank you so much for the beautiful day. And he's like, you know, I, I think I'm coming to the U.S., you know, soon. Mm. So, you know, you, you can show me around. I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, so a few months later, he did. He came to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I was like, OK, what, what can we do? So I took him to um, the King Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. has a has a King Center down there in the, um, his childhood home, near his childhood home. So I took him there and I, you know, they have a little museum in there and I was explaining about segregation and Jim Crow and he's looking at the pictures. He's like shaking his head like, no, no, <laughs> this is wrong. No, I was like, yes, yes, Paolo. It happened. Mm. He seemed like just so appalled mm. that this could happen yeah um but i think it's it's important mm-hmm. yeah I, like if i'm if i'm introduce, introducing people to the u.s that would definitely be one of the things mm-hmm. me personally that i i would take them to a museum or you know something like that where it's not just all fun and games but um but after that i took him to an nba game so i think <laughs> he ended the, the trip on a high note <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one of the things I didn't do um, with this particular uh, cousin when she visited is I didn't explain anything about the history. You know, this was probably like 15 years ago and I wasn't like thinking along those lines. But definitely if, you know, that same cousin came back, um, I would try to introduce more of, you know, the, that history and as well as, you know, what's going on right now in terms of um, social and racial justice. Uh, but yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think that peop- a lot of people outside the U.S. get that history. They get, you know, the media, Hollywood movies and stuff, but definitely not um, any of that. Hmm. So what about being the only friend? I think so far we're talking about people from different countries either visiting or we're going to different countries, but what about in the U.S. and maybe in your friend group, you're the only Asian friend they have. Do you share your culture um, because that's what you would normally do or do you share it because maybe you don't think they'll they'll get it anywhere else? How do you navigate that? Hmm. I, I don't really try to force it. Um, and that's partly due to because I grew up in the in the United States. So I'm trying to like 
I'm, I'm navigating like kind of two cultures at once. <laughs> so I guess I get to pick sometimes, you know, if I'm just going to lay low, keep it quiet, just kind of go with the flow of um, kind of whatever is happening. Or if I want to bring in like, hey, you know, right now we're celebrating Chinese New Year or the Lunar Festival. Um, you know, we're going to celebrate the Mid-Autumn Festival now. So let's all share some mooncake. Um, so I think that I can... I get to pick and choose and I try to let it happen organically. Um, and I think that when I am interacting with people of other cultures, they are also doing the same, like just kind of letting it happen. I don't really feel like I have to be the cultural ambassador. Um, one, because I'm not sure like I'm the best ambassador. Um, and also two, I, I want it to come out naturally. Like I don't want it to seem forced. How about, mm-hmm. how about you? I think when I was younger, I wasn't as aware. I just thought, you know, the things I like are the things I like. Mm-hmm. You know, some things are just general likes and some things are culture specific. So I didn't, I don't think I had as much awareness of differentiating you know, like culture specific things versus, you know, non-culture related things mm-hmm. to share with my friends. Um, but I do remember one time I visited a white friend of mine. I don't know if I was her only black friend, mm-hmm. but she didn't introduce me to her other black friends. <laughs> so we'll never know. But I visited my friend. She was in Michigan, uh, Ann Arbor. For school and that place is very close to Detroit and I had never been to Detroit before and I was like I'm visiting you and this is what I want to do mm. <laughs> I want to go to Detroit I want to go to the Motown Museum mm-hmm. because they have a museum for Motown I want to go they have a really good African-American history museum I was like I want to go there and I want to see when I visited they had um a really famous black dance company, the Alvin Ailey Mm -hmm. dance company was playing there. And I was like, I want to see that, you know, like I know you're white, but yeah, I didn't say this out loud, but these are the things that I want to do. And you're going to have to (laughs) take me there because I love it. You tell your host, this uh, is what I want to do. This is good, but this is good because that will good host should want to um, make their, their guests happy. So yeah. And she'd never been to any of like the Motown Museum or the African American mm. History Museum. And it's like when we were at the museum, she was making comments like, oh, my God, you know, I never knew. It was like, oh, why don't they teach this or stuff like that? And I, I slowly realized, like, am I am I educating her? Mm. It was like, what's happening? <laughs> that wasn't really my intent. Yeah. I just wanted to go to the museum. Right. But it's like. Maybe she came to some knowledge. I don't mm. know if it changed any of her worldviews, but yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you feel like you want to be the cultural ambassador or need to be or somewhere in between, like in terms of other people now? I think, I think that... I have less white friends now mm. because I don't 
necessarily <laughs> want that responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to be myself. Now, I know that's weird because I, you know, I welcome friends from other cultures that may not be familiar with, you know, black culture. But for some reason, it's just like, like with the, the coworker who makes these random crazy comments. Mm -hmm. um, I would rather decrease the chances of that happening um, inside a friendship than to, to open myself up to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a friend say something inappropriate or um, insensitive related to your culture or your race. Mm. I mean, I can't think of anyone, anything off the top of my head, but I'll give it some thought. Um, but like I, you know, because I was growing up, I was, you know, assimilating into a white culture, maybe, there wasn't really much opportunity for other people to kind of pick up my culture because I wasn't, you know, displaying it uh, or exhibiting it. Um, but there's definitely like comments about like food and like food smells if you like bring in, you know, some leftovers or that just don't quite smell as non-smelling as other foods. Uh, so I think, that's, I think that's like the biggest one. And that's something that, you know, our family talks about. Not often, but, you know, we're like, oh, we can't pack that. That smells, even though to us it smells delicious and like our food, we can't bring it into, you know, a school or like an office because, you know, microwaving or whatever, opening it. I, I don't really need, you know, to kind of answer what this is, right? This is just my food. Um, but, you know, the people might be curious and I guess that could be an opportunity. Uh, but when I send my kids kids uh, lunches to school I definitely try to avoid I don't really want them to have to be like kind of stand up for who they are at such a young age because I don't know I just I don't know if they're ready for that or if they you know it's just like an added stress to be at school so we, when we do send in Chinese food as a leftover it's pretty pretty um non non-offensive I guess you could say like in terms of smells Mm. Yeah. So that's the only thing I can think of. But the comments, not so much. Yeah, I feel like it would be a better place if people were just generally curious. Mm -hmm. Like you make your meal. They say, oh, what is that? Mm -hmm. Oh, this is my dish, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, well, that looks nice. Instead of, you know, what does that smell? Mm -hmm. Or who brought stinky food? Right. You know? Right. Right. Um. Cause that's, I mean, first of all, that's embarrassing to you to, would be embarrassing to me. And second of all, it's like, why are you being so passive aggressive? If you know, it's me, just come up and, you know, and say it to me instead of mm -hmm. like saying it real loudly in the, in the, uh, the break room or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and I think a lot of my Asian coworkers at our workplace, you know, we have, we talk about this stuff too. Like, oh, we can't bring in, you know, so-and-so because it smells too much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm bringing a durian, okay, guys? <laughs> a durian would be awful. I'm not bringing that I've stuff. I've never in. smelled it, but I heard <laughs> it does have a gas leak. Stink. Smell, yeah. Gas leak? 
I mean, that's oh yeah. Some people have have um have described it as a gas leak smell, but it tastes okay. I mean, I can only have it in small bits. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so you mentioned that um you know previous episodes you you kind of keep your distance from you know especially new people uh just so that you kind of get a feel of who they are um and then so in that process you have like fewer and fewer white friends um so i guess my question is like and this is for me too it's like how are how are how is the other side supposed to like gain how would you say they should gain an understanding of someone else's culture if, you know, people of that culture are really not that interested in like spending all that energy to like educate them? There are some people that have the energy. Mm. But the problem is I don't think we should be forced mm. or it should be an expectation, especially if there's no expectation for the majority culture to be a representative or explain, you know, why they do the things they do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why they eat the things that they eat. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they just eat it or they just do it. Like, why do we have to have an explanation? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that's why you should have friends slash read if you if you generally (laughs) make a connection with someone yeah slash read like read a book (laughs) it's that easy um and and make friends Mm -hmm. i'm sure if you if you have genuine friends they'll be happy to open up their world or open up their culture to you more than some random Mm -hmm. person expecting you to educate them yeah yeah what do you think? No, I totally see that. It's like, um, I'm trying to think of an example here where, where it's like, yeah, if you don't take the energy to like make a friend, then you really don't have a right to like kind of extract information out of someone. You know what I mean? Like if, if you don't generally care about the person to like, you know, make a friendship, then you're just kind of using them Mm -hmm. for like this information that you're like either maybe you just don't feel like reading a book. You're like, Oh, that's, that's take too long. I'm just going to extract my information uh, from my black colleague without even like realizing that that's, you know, like that's not what they're there for. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no, I totally agree with you. Form that friendship. read a book and or they did travel let's say they traveled to China where they're like you know into Chinese history but they're white mm. uh, what do you think about those people that try to connect with you on a cultural level maybe they're not necessarily a friend but they they appreciate Chinese culture and they see you and they're like oh my goodness you know here's a Chinese 
woman, I can be friends with her because I love Chinese culture mm-hmm. and we're going to be friends. <laughs> what do you think about that? I feel like you have an answer to this. <laughs> I want to hear it. But um, I, I feel like this person's knowledge and appreciation. Two things. It could either be like really superficial or it could be a fetish. Uh, so I would still be pretty weary of this person. So I used to work in a Chinese restaurant. I used to waitress. Um, and there was like specific customers who would come in and like, you know, speak Mandarin to me and try to connect with me there. And I felt really icky um, when that happened because it did feel very fetishizing or like showing like hey showing hey I can say hello in Chinese or I can say thank you in Chinese so I don't know if that's the right way to connect with me personally I know other people who appreciate when a non-Chinese person tries to speak English uh, tries to speak Mandarin to them but to me and I don't know this because I grew up in the states or something but to me it seems not like a genuine connecting point. Um, and that, and that's called also like why I don't s- try to speak like Spanish to people who are Latinx or, you know, Hispanic. I feel like I'm offending them in some way because that's, that's not my language. You know, it's not like I, I studied Spanish um, in school or I traveled, you know, overseas and like immersed myself in their culture. And now I feel like I connect with them culturally. Um, so to me, it's, it's non-genuine and I'm not sure I would be mm. receptive to that. How about you? So on a note, even if, even if this person like took Chinese in, in college and they, maybe they're fluent, not Chinese, Mandarin, they're fluent in Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, they found out that you actually also speak Mandarin. Mm. Is, is that okay? Can they invite you to lunch and have, you know, Mandarin lunch time <laughs> with you? Uh, we will see when that, uh, when that proposition proposes. So I don't, I'm not the best Mandarin speaker, so they're, they're, um, but they're barking up the wrong tree here. Like, there's plenty of other people who speak Mandarin much better than I do so maybe I also feel a little bit like an imposter like I look I look like this on the outside but my Mandarin is not as good um, and mm. you, you're gonna get a better learning experience from someone who you know has just immigrated here or you know grew up not here uh, but hey if they want like a cross-cultural American Chinese experience if they want to learn about that yeah i'm all open but i don't think i'm the right person if they really Mm -hmm. want to get deeper into what um chinese culture is i see yeah well that that spanish example i i did that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i i used to know spanish i feel like i was like proficient Mm -hmm. in high school Mm -hmm. but you know with time and you're not practicing you kind of lose it so I've been trying to learn, relearn Spanish mm-hmm. lately, and um, there are some Spanish speakers at our job. Um, so I started a, a Spanish club, not a club, <laughs> but a meeting, a weekly meeting uh-huh. that was geared towards speaking Spanish mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for 30 minutes to help me. <laughs> and, you know, the Spanish speaking 
co-workers thought it was a nice idea they came out we spoke spanish mm-hmm. and uh it was good so i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't be receptive to like something like that where someone was like i'm trying to learn mandarin i know you speak mandarin i know you know a couple other people do would you you know would you be interested in a 30 minute meeting every mm-hmm. week just just for us to practice mm-hmm. Well, let me ask a question. So these two coworkers of yours, were they like your friends first? Or like you had to work closely with them in projects first? Or was it these just like total random? You're like, hey, your last name looks looks Hispanic or Latinx. No, no, no. No, you didn't do that, no. right? They were your friends first. I, I knew, well, they, I, I would say we grew to be friends mm. through this exercise. Sure. Like I knew one person was in Spanish class with me Mm-hmm. at our job so I knew she was interested yeah. so that was clue number one and there was another one who you know often talks about they're from a certain place you know Puerto Rico or you know from Central America and so you're just asking them you know mm-hmm. I'm getting this group together can I put you on the invite list <laughs> and we got to know each other that way yeah um I thought that was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I guess I would be open to it depending on the, you know, the, like you said, like if that person, like, let's say it was like a white male, right. And you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, so you want to learn Mandarin and you're like, you seem like really fired up. I guess I could really tell if that person was genuine or just, like I said, I don't want it to be a fetish thing. And mm. that to me is the, can be a red flag uh but yeah if it's like you know a female colleague maybe i'd be more comfortable because maybe there's less chance of that being the thing even though i can't be sure but yeah i'd I'd be open to it but like again like i i would be the learner i'm not the teacher here Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i would be i think i would be really good if you're interested in like you know kind of the differences between um, Chinese culture and U.S. culture. Like, I think I have a good insight into that because I did live there for a few years. And of course, I grew up here. So that's maybe where my quote unquote expertise lies into like looking at those two differences. And certainly people who study here or people who, you know, work here, but um, grew up in a different country, they're also experts in that. And I could learn a lot from them, too, because they're like even deeper maybe in Chinese culture than I am. So like, that's really, that to me is the more interesting conversation I would like to have. Not necessarily the, Hey, you want to like learn Mandarin from me? Cause I'm not going to be a good teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you talked about in the workplace episode, wanting to assimilate into your workplace. You don't want to stand out. Um, so I guess you, you don't feel an expectation as the only, let's say Chinese person in your group or at work to represent your particular experience to the group. You kind of want to blend in more. Yeah. I don't think I, I never felt it, never felt the need to do that. So I'll give an example. I decorate my office door every month. It's like a different theme. And in February, there's Valentine's Day and usually like end of January in the February timeframe, we celebrate uh, 
the Lunar New Year, Chinese New Year, um, Spring Festival. And so I felt the need to acknowledge that it was that time of year. And so I did, so I usually do like a half, half kind of thing. Like we celebrate Valentine's Day for the first half of the month. And then whenever Chinese New Year is, then we celebrate Chinese New Year on the door. So in that sense, I do feel a need to remind everyone that it's Chinese New Year. And like some people will say, you know, Happy New Year and stuff. But that's pretty much as far and maybe like also introducing people to like more quote unquote traditional Chinese food so that when we go out to like a Chinese restaurant, you know, I'll order some more of the traditional stuff and explain what it is and invite them to try it. Um, But that's that's come over time. That wasn't like day when I got here. And that's what I did. This was like definitely more years into being around the people that I felt like I could and that they were receptive of it. Uh, but mm. definitely not like it's it, it's like more in my mind now, but definitely not like the first thing on my mind when I joined um, my current work. Um, so how about you? Do you feel like people ask you about cult, your culture, your culture? Do they assume things about I mean, I, mean, I know they say crazy things, so they're going to assume things. But like, how do you kind of feel about sharing your culture at work no i don't feel any responsibility but back to your Mm. chinese new year decorating Mm -hmm. why did why did you feel that you needed to do it did you want to do it or you just felt this was an opportunity Mm. to educate the the wider your group or your coworkers? um you know it's, it's kind of interesting because before I before I was decorating for Chinese New Year on the door, like there was like really some really close coworkers who would like say Happy New Year to me. Like they knew it was Chinese New Year without me telling them. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that was my first inclination that it would be okay, you know, to to show that it is Chinese New Year during you know whatever month it fell in. So I didn't. I don't know if I feel the need like oh if I miss it like. I'm a bad Chinese person, but I do feel like I want to just every year, you know, like they can, we can know what, what, um, what Zodiac sign it is. You know, that's really interesting. We can learn about, I mean, I'm also learning about the Zodiacs too and like how there's different signs even within a single Zodiac. Um, so I think that I don't feel like I need to, I feel like I want to and that it's an okay space to do it. But if I didn't do it one year, it was not like I would feel bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you felt people would be receptive and therefore you felt more free to, yeah. to express your culture. Right. And like, can I connect? But you needed that, you needed that um, confirmation that people were okay with it. Or that they weren't going to like I don't know, not maybe not laugh at it, but just like ridicule it. Like, what is this? Like, you know, what are these funny characters up here? You know, like I, I can I can imagine an environment where there would be people like that. Like, you know, this is an English. Get this off your door. You know, why is there an animal on your door? I feel like I don't work with those type of people so that I can do it without having to field like really annoying questions. Like the questions that are um, inquisitive, those are great, you know, and I explain 
what the characters mean, why they're hung a certain way. You know, I get confirmation from another coworker who uh, is who grew up in China just to be like, hey, you know, I got this right because I, I, I'm not sure. I want to make sure that, that I represent my culture correctly. But yeah, I definitely want to feel like there's a safe space for me to do it. And there's definitely places where I imagine it's not as safe to do that. Hmm. And where do you have experience with those spaces or you just imagine that I mean, they are or you heard about them? I mean, I can imagine maybe like family members' workplace. Um, I won't name which one or which workplace. I don't want to uh, call them out. But definitely there's places where you're not allowed to be as culturally proud, I guess, as other places. Mm-hmm. So what about your participation in affinity groups or diversity events what what makes you want to do that or participate mm, in i mean honestly mm-hmm. honestly someone asked me to and i've just been kind of just like sucked into the responsibility of participating i think maybe it's like me wanting to just be a responsible like participant I don't know if I have a, and I think that the things that we're doing are, they, they showcase a different side of um, culture in terms of like, it's not just about like this foreign Chinese culture or sorry, foreign Asian culture. It's like the, the, the crossover between Asian and United States. Um, but I do always, you know, think about like we have this food event, right? Where people just come for free food and sometimes it can feel like that's all they're there for. They're not really there for like the cultural exchange. So like, I think we're trying to, you know, bring it back to, you know, why we do this kind of event. Um, but I, I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. So it's not like something that I want to do forever in terms of like being a, a leader in the group. Uh, but it is, it's a good avenue. It's a good quote unquote excuse to, present uh asian asian american things to our workplace and uh, that's like a really long-winded answer and i'm not sure i answered it <laughs> well, how about you what about you and your so it's like you you someone asked you you didn't really come to work and say yeah true. you know i really want to connect with my fellow asians no that's true and spread that okay. is true yes if i wasn't approached by someone to participate i probably wouldn't have done it on my own just because like, I don't want to take on too much. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that says, but it just says <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, your goals with the group is to produce good programming is to increase awareness of, issues in the Asian American community what are what are your particular goals with working Mm. with the group yeah I think I just want to use my organizational skills to produce like a good series of events I let other people in the group come up with the ideas on like speakers and programs uh I think that's where my strengths lie and my strengths don't really lie in the coming up with topics and coming up with speakers. Uh, and I hope that 
because they have the good ideas and I help to carry them out that we can spread more awareness in our in the in our workplace, um, you know, educate ourselves in things that we may not have known. Uh, but I don't think I have like that. Um, I don't think I have that creative and kind of, you know, hand hand on what the issues are in terms of my community. So I let other people do that. Mm-hmm. How about you? Okay. I know that the, uh, the African-American employee group at our work was um, not, not active for a while. So how do you see yourself like reviving or helping involvement in that? I think my interest in the group kind of stemmed from the other diverse oh, affinity groups, specifically the Asian groups, their programming. Mm-hmm. Um, and my questioning, like, why don't we, black people, have anything? So when I found out that they were getting the group back together, I was definitely interested because mm-hmm. I wanted to see that, a celebration of, you know, black uh, staff at our job as mm-hmm. well as black achievement in in general and I also wanted to find more black people because there are not a lot of black people in my building or in my group Mm -hmm. so it was my way to connect with other black employees at at the job Mm -hmm. and do you think um, mm -hmm. it has helped you connect with more people yes Yes, I've definitely met a lot more. There are more than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> They're spread around, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when, I guess we talked about it, when it's inappropriate to expect someone to be that representative or someone to educate you is when there's no relationship, you don't, know, try to establish a friendship you're just kind of extracting for your own benefit um this information is would you agree that that would be an inappropriate situation for someone to expect you to be an asian american in their life to you know to provide that diverse perspective yeah, I think it's uh, it would be very awkward if like someone kind of points out, I mean, because you already kind of know you're different, right? So if someone's like, you know, hey, I have a I have an Asian American question. So I'm going to come and ask you just like randomly throughout the day or whenever, you know, the moment strikes, um, that would be, it, it would make them almost feel like even more other and not like, hey, I'm trying to like culturally connect with you here. It's like, hey, you should know about this because this is your culture and you represent your entire culture. Um, so I think that because the people I work with don't do that, it makes me feel like I can do it at my own pace, at my own level. Um, you know, I had a coworker, she, um, she shared like a tea ceremony with everyone, like a traditional, um, Chinese tea ceremony. And like, that was really, um, it was really awesome. Cause I learned a lot about tea and, uh, you know, just the, the culture 
and the history around it. And she shared it with the group and the group was very respected. And so I think that, you know, as long as I think it should come from the person and not necessarily like an external, like, hey, you should get up and, you know, give a seminar on your culture. You know, that that to me is not the way it should go. I think the person needs to feel like I said earlier, being comfortable, being feeling safe, that it's not going to be met with ridicule or like ostracizing, you know, because I am Asian American, I grew up in the United States. Like I don't always, I don't, I don't think I ever always felt like it was okay for me to represent my culture because there was other people around me who could probably represent it better. Um, and I didn't want to do it wrong because, you know, they were watching or they you know might've noticed. Um, so that's maybe also been my hesitation is that I don't want to be, I don't want to do it wrong because like you said, like this might be their only like in, and I don't want to be the wrong, <laughs> the wrong entry point if that's the only way they're going to get it. So, yeah. Same. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I have in the past used someone's culture or you know background to try to connect like if you see someone and you think they're cool Mm. and you kind of do want to become friends with them like what what is your entry point for example I found out a co-worker you know was into sushi this was an Asian American Mm -hmm. and I love sushi so I was like oh you oh you like sushi too you know I love sushi Uh uh-huh you know, let's go out for sushi lunch. You know, yeah. I didn't. You know, I didn't mean anything. You know, inappropriate. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't go up to them and like, "Oh, you're Asian. Do you like sushi?" <laughs> right, right, right. It's kind of like you find out they like sushi. Like, okay, I like yeah. sushi. Let's let's uh let's get together. Let's do mm-hmm. a lunch. Yeah, and then you get to know them more mm-hmm. as a person. Right. No, I think that's 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 great, right? Because you don't make an assumption about them. You find out this and then you get to share I think food is a wonderful way to connect people personally um and then you found out I like sushi so we all got to do it together Uh, exactly yeah so no I don't think that I think that's a right way to do it do you think it's unfair that there's kind of an expectation or a responsibility placed on the non-majority people to like participate in diversity efforts or kind of represent their culture and white Americans don't necessarily have to do that. And is this whole idea like playing into the white supremacist theory that white is the norm and anyone else has to kind of explain themselves? Mm. Yeah, I think it's a, so it's a really fine line. And for me, because yeah, I definitely, in terms of like our like Asian, um, Pacific Islanders group at work. We we had a member who, you know, kind of like said the events that we had been up to that the events that we had been holding up until then, you know, while they were great, they did still present us as like an exotic other culture. And, you know, this member wanted to bring it back to like Asian American experiences or, you know, Asians in America. Um, so that the, the, the white, the white colleagues could see that, Oh, okay. So they're, how their experience here and how those experiences they might not have known about or really understood. So I can definitely see how 
some events could still make us other, but I'm hoping that we we move toward like this that you know we describe it as a melting pot here, but like a really as a melting pot, and that we can appreciate all these um, specific cultures, but also see it all as under this wider United States America culture. But I think that's a really far goal that's a really long-term goal because i still think that we don't know enough about each other for that kind of ideal to be and i it's going to be hard because you're going to see another culture and of course it's not going to be the same as yours and then it's up to the person maybe to be like is that another culture or is that a culture I'm, i'm willing to kind of you know wrap around myself and like be more educated in be more appreciative of I think it's a fine line all right that's our show thanks Lisa for this conversation it was Mm -hmm. interesting Mm. let's see for better world nugget Lisa, do you have one while I ponder? (laughs) I think my better world nugget is to continue to make new friends. And maybe be more thought for myself to be more thoughtful of the friends that I want to hopefully make. You know, not to like use people for their culture or use people to be like, hey, I have an XYZ friend. Um, but to, I think we talked about this season one and, we, and that's a common thread throughout the podcast is to, you know, expand our circle, expand our knowledge. It helps us hopefully become better people and hopefully we can share our culture, whatever the culture that is um, with others so that they can, you know, then spread it to their friends and their friends and their friends. So I really, you know, want to continue expanding uh, my circle uh, and I, that's my better world nugget. How are you? Yeah, I, I was going to say that. You, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, make friends and be genuine when you're making friends. Mm-hmm. Like, don't don't take what you've seen on TV or movies or even what you've read <laughs> in books and, you know, come at someone with your knowledge, mm. you know, um, just... Being, you know, an inquisitive person, like Lisa said, uh, and get to know someone and then maybe you'll get around to a cultural exchange. And let's look at it it as an exchange Mm. of your individual experiences and yeah, just make more friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Racisms Podcast. Before you go please be sure to like or subscribe wherever you're listening to this to stay up to date on new episodes. And let us know, have you ever felt pressure to be a cultural representative? And how do you make new friends cross-culturally? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Racism's Podcast and on our blog, racismspodcast.wordpress.com. Peace, everyone. Be safe.
This episode was produced and edited by Kyle Carson.